Welcome to this week's edition of the Retailers Podcast, sponsored by Alltag, and thanks to our supporting partner, Aura, also. Now, my guest this week is Spencer Marzouk. Now, Spencer is the CEO of Think LP, the loss and safety intelligence platform that serves the retail industry. Now, Spencer came to Think LP via the private equity firm Alpine Investors, where he was a member of the firm's CIT program, which recruits the best uh, and top talent from business schools as CEOs for their portfolio companies. Now, prior to Alpine and Think LP, Spencer was at Tupperware Brands Corporation, where he held some really interesting roles in strategy and new channel development across the globe, including the launch of the e-commerce and omni-channel models across Europe. Now, a recipient of the Determined to Educate Mentor of the Year Award, We'll come on to where that came from and that in a little while. Um, he holds a bachelor's degree from New England College and an MBA from the Harvard Business School. Spencer, welcome. Hey, Paul. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. So I have to say, and I've said this to a few guests recently, um, I always like to sort of Google people and, and have a look. And um, there's a lot of stuff that you've done uh, and, a, and a lot of nice things out there about your activities. So, uh, yeah, fair play. That is a full-on and varied career that you've racked up thus far <laughs> yeah i always said uh if i had a book uh maybe i'd title it teaching to tupperware to uh loss prevention so uh we'll see paul it is it is not a, a normal trajectory for sure but you know talk talk about the sort of variety of skills that you picked up along the way so with that variety way back when young spencer at school what 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 did you want to do when you grew up? Did did you see those little waypoints along the way? I guess <laughs> not. Was there maybe something else? No. So when I when I was uh, growing up, my life centered around sports, and uh, I I wanted to be a, a basketball star, actually a basketball coach. So um, I, you know that was my the center of my life. And while I was playing basketball in high school. Uh, I needed to make some money just to, you know, as a high school kid, you, you needed to pay for, for gas for the car. And so uh, my first job, um, I was growing up in North Carolina at the time. My first job was uh, moving hay at my friend's farm uh, in the hot North Carolina sun. Um, and I remember sitting there one day thinking, man, this, this really sucks. Like, I, it's really hot out. I think I'm going to go work in a store in retail, um, you know, there's some air conditioning there. So I, I went over to the Target store, my local Target super center in Greensboro, North Carolina, uh, applied, I got a job. And you know what, Paul, they, they decided, you know what, you're going outside, you're getting the carts. And so oh. outside in the heat. <laughs> and, uh, but with that, you know, it was, it was my first intro to retail. Um, but it's funny, as you mentioned, you know, what I wanted to do when I grew, grew up was, um, I wanted to be a basketball coach. And the reason that was, was I, I kind of really loved the leadership and teamwork side of sports. Um, you know, my heroes were like great coaches in the game. And, uh, I just, I admired how they were able to build great teams, galvanize a vision, build the culture. Um, and so that, that ended up turning into, uh, me loving leadership and, um, uh, and just kind of admiring great figures in history who drove profound impact in addition to those coaches. And, and I just kind of grew this insatiable appetite to lead. 
uh, I think at an early age. And it stemmed from what I wanted to do as my first job, which was I wanted to be a basketball co coach that built a team, built a vision, built a culture. And, uh, and, and in the process empowered people. And so, um, yeah, I, uh, unfortunately I'm not in the NBA, uh, to say the least. and so that basketball career and coaching career did not pan out exactly, but there's many parallels along the way, I guess, uh, in some regards to what I do now. And, and I've got to ask, do you coach basketball at any level at the weekends and stuff? I, you know what? I don't coach right now, but I, I do attempt to play. It is it is pretty sloppy uh, out there these days, Paul. I have to say, but um, you know, maybe down the road is like a fun uh, retirement gig. I always said maybe that would be fun to to coach again. Well, basketball. At least you've picked a sport that's to, that's indoors at that point, so you won't you won't get burned <laughs> in the sun. Yeah, there you go. Right. So so you've been throwing some hay bales around. You've been pushing the carts at Target. <laughs> Okay, there's a, there's a big bit missing next. So was it then off to college at that point? What what was the trajectory that sort of took you off into sort of the uh, the stratosphere? <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, so I was uh, I was in North Carolina growing up, and um, I again I love basketball, and so uh, I was willing to play basketball at any school that would take me. And quite candidly, the only school that would really take me for my skills was a college called New England College. Um, and uh, it was up in New Hampshire, which is near the Boston region of the United States. Um, and when I when I got to campus, uh, I was there for one week and I, I decided I, I would I had to pick your major. And I chose business because I had heard a podcast from Mark Cuban, uh, kind of the famous investor, uh, owner of the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, he he said in his podcast, uh, you know, business is the ultimate sport. And so I just thought, okay, you know, that there's some parallels to this. And so I just chose business and that's kind of how I started on that track. And so I went to New England College uh, in New Hampshire, majored in business. And what was interesting was, and this is where I think like my life trajectory really shifted was my college experience uh, was not, you know, you kind of say college was the best four years of your life. It was a really challenging time for me. Um, about a week into school, um, I lost my mother to a battle with cancer. Uh, and my sophomore year, um, I ended up kind of losing a, a, a really close friend of mine from school on campus in a car accident. And I think both of those kind of tragedies, it, it, it basically provide a lot of adversity in college, but it equally, you know, looking back ended up being this time that kind of fortified me in many ways. But what that ended up doing after I was going to school and kind of going through those struggles I got to the time when I was about to graduate and, you know, I, I, I surprisingly with a great support system um, at New England college still did really well, uh, you know, performed uh, top of my class. And, and again, I was involved in leadership activities. And so what gave the commencement speech and stuff in my school was our class president, but it, what was interesting was 
I got to this point at graduation where it was like, all right, well, am I going to coach basketball or am I going to go into business? I didn't really know. No. But what I decided was I wanted to do something more or less in honor of, of, of my mother. And my mom was kind of a, she was always involved in civil rights in some way. She was very passionate about civil rights and equality. And so I decided I was going to do some form of active citizenship centered around civil rights. And what I decided to do was this thing called Teach for America, which is effectively in the United States, uh, it's called the Peace Corps. It's a part, it's a part of the Peace Corps, really, where you uh, become a teacher in an underserved community that has a, a shortage of, uh, of teachers. And um, it's actually a globally a part of a bigger program called Teach for All. So um, in, in Europe, it's a very uh, prevalent program as well. Um, and so I went and I decided to teach in the heart of the civil rights movement in the United States from the 1960s. And that was uh, where Dr. King started his movement in, um, in rural Alabama. And so I went and I taught eighth grade math in the poorest region in the United States. And uh, that was, uh, that was, you know, in the process of turning down offers to go to some companies for business and turning down, you know, kind of that path to go and, and, and coach, I just wanted to do something bigger than myself and, and, and be in the classroom. And so I did that, that completely changed my perspective on the, on the world. Um, talk about, you know, challenges, uh, it, you know, at the local level, you know, I, I, it was baffling to me what I was seeing in the richest country in America and in the world um, in terms of, you know, poverty we, we, in, in, in our classroom. Um, and so while I was in the classroom, uh, I ended up starting, uh, kind of saw a need in the classroom, a big need for exposure experiences for kids. And so while I was in the classroom, I decided to start an education nonprofit that would provide kids exposure to careers and tangible pathways for them. Um, primarily, again, underserved minorities who didn't always have those careers at their availability. And so with that, just kind of bootstrapped some capital, didn't really have any idea what I was going to be doing with it. Uh, convinced some people to give me some money as I helped think of a model to kind of help these kids get exposure to different careers. And um, ended up starting, a, a you know, actually 10 years later, it still goes on. It's called the Dream Initiative. And we serve thousands of kids across the United States over the course of 10 years, 90% um, first-generation college students. And what the, the nonprofit does is we take kids to uh, basically traveling experiences where they go to different city centers uh, and business centers. They get exposure to different careers and companies and industries. We then partner them with leaders at those organizations who come from similar backgrounds as them. So, you know, it's it's one thing to see it. It's one thing to see someone actually have done the path to kind of provide and fortify you in a, a tangible uh, way forward. And uh, so we go to New York, we partner um, you know, we visit the New York Stock Exchange. 
Um, we partner with Good Morning America, uh, ABC, one of the, the news affiliates here. Um, we also, the kids go and they also go to Washington, D.C., where they get to actually work with the policymakers, meet with them. Um, and so it's been pretty cool. And so that that program, um, it, it got a little bit of success early on. And, you know, I think that kind of taught me my lesson of you never know who's watching. Uh, you know, you always, you always just, you could kind of do your thing and do, do it to the best of your abilities and you never know who's watching. And in, and in my case, um, I, you know, we, I ended up getting a call from a guy named Rick Goings, who, um, was the chairman of the boys and girls clubs, uh, of America, which is now global. And he was the CEO of Tupperware Brands Corporation. Uh, okay. And, um, Rick, you know, what, it was interesting while I was kind of doing this thing in the classroom, really trying to bring together the private and 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 public sector, you know, Rick is kind of a, a, a leader in Davos. He's a pretty influential figure at the global economic, kind of in global economic development. When you think about uh, what Tupperware Brands has done, they serve over a hundred countries and um, in many ways, you know, they, their business model helps kind of drive economic development and so uh rick kind of said to me you know what are you doing after teach for america uh and i'll never forget this answer i said i, I said i'm gonna go to business school he said well that's silly i'll uh, i'll teach you everything you need to know i'll buy you the books uh why don't you come to tupperware um i will mentor you and we'll see how you work out basically nothing guaranteed but i'll give you a shot and um you know, I had no intention, Paul, and in, in going into like consumer products and retail at all. But what I did know was I wanted to be like Rick Goings. I wanted to be a leader that was driving impact um, in multiple facets of society. And um, I wanted to be like him. And it's funny because I, I end up telling a lot of the students that come through our the nonprofit program, which you know, I'm I'm the I'm I'm on the board of now. I'm I'm no longer running the show, but uh, you know, I say, hey, take the job, not necessarily for you know what it is, but who you're working with and who you're gonna learn from. You know, all we are is an amalgamation of who we spend our the most time with. And so I decided to go work for Rick. And um so uh, I went to Tupperware, started in a management development role, uh, worked in strategy. Uh, helped kind of the store and retail concept that we launched across Asia Pack, uh, launched the development of a virtual sales channel. Um, and then I got the opportunity to join a team at a really young age uh, across EMEA based in Frankfurt to launch a, a new omni-channel kind of model across uh, across Europe. So I moved to Frankfurt. And so mm -hmm. I, lived in Frank I lived in Frankfurt, Germany for four years, worked across continental Europe. And uh, Rick had long retired. Um, I had been there for six years at Tupperware and uh, it was great four years in Germany. And I was like, I was kind of at this age where I was like, you know, I'm either gonna go to business school now or never. And I was on my like bucket list. And so uh, so I applied and uh, got, in, got into uh, business school and um, yeah. And that's kind of uh, where things started. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my goodness me, I mean, that's talk about going down one path and uh, and serving the community in one way and then, uh, you know, doors opening in another. So, uh, yeah, fascinating. And, and well done you for then taking that pause and 
and go into business school at that point when you're already on the journey. And then the, the next bit to the sort of the, you know, that did the hop and then into Think LP, was that planned? Was that, okay, this is what I want to do? Or was that another one of these, you know, phone calls out of the blue and Spencer, come and, come and talk to us about this? A little bit of both. So just for context, so I ended up, you know, so I went, uh, you know, you mentioned here, so I went to, went to Harvard Business School and it was interesting. It was at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, we were the smallest class in the history, uh, in the recent history of the school, uh, basically because we had to allow for six feet apart and, uh, you know, just kind of all the COVID dynamics and restrictions. And, you know, I think what's interesting, and the reason I bring this up is it created a more intimate feeling to business school. And in that, you know, you're learning again from your, your professors, but also kind of your really, really talented peers and, you know, what's cool about a place, and I'm very humbled on the fact that I had this opportunity, was what's really cool about the place about Harvard is a lot of former CEOs are your mentors and your professors. They're just kind of, you work day to day with them. And so I kind of formed this these relationships with a lot of folks that were in that CEO-like seat. Um, you know, a couple of my mentors, a guy named John Lynch, who was a CEO for a large furniture business for many years. He actually went on to become the governor of New Hampshire and held many public sector seats in government in the United States. Uh, one of my professors was a guy named Trevor Fetter who ran one of the largest healthcare companies in the world for many years. And so you're kind of, you're working with these CEOs or former CEOs and, and then like kind of indoctrinated in a lot of like the, the content uh, are the teachings of a, a guy named Clay Christensen who is a legendary professor. He kind of coined disruptive innovation. And I it, it, it was one day when I was in the class that he had taught. Clay had unfortunately passed a couple of years back, but there's a his class that he kind of spurred that was around disruptive innovation. There's a there was a day where you know we were talking and you know the topic was around how management uh could be the most noble profession when practice well. And no other occupation offers as many ways to help others learn and grow and take responsibility and be recognized for achievement and contribute to the success of a team. And I remember thinking when I heard that, I went back to my eight-year-old self when I wanted to be a basketball coach. And I heard some of the same exact things. And I kind of said, okay, well, like, I think that's what I want to do, right? Like I've been around Rick, I've been around these people, like I, I want to get down that path. And well, and I thought that was a way down the road thing. And what was interesting was I ended up uh, getting a, a call from this this program that it's called Alpine Investors. Alpine Investors is one of the fastest growing private equity firms in the world right now. And they're the number one most applied for gig out of Harvard and Stanford at the moment. And they uh, they said, hey, look, you know, this is the one place where you're going to have an opportunity to kind of do something like that. And uh, so I went to Alpine and, you know, I, I knew I wanted to go down the route of some form of retail and technology. And uh, I got, a, you know, we ended up acquiring Think LP, the firm ended up acquiring Think LP, uh, said, what, you know, what do you think? And I, I said, wow, you know, this company is very well positioned to drive profound impact. Um, you can just see it. Uh, but what was interesting was what I, what kind of really drew me in to think LP and that opportunity, it wasn't the products. 
Um, it was the people and it was the people of the organization and it was the people that we serve the customers. And, and I just thought like, what a cool opportunity to serve the largest private sector employment space, which is retail, uh, and, uh, have the ability to lead an organization and to drive change in that space where we, we absolutely, um, we need it. And so one year later, here we are, Paul, uh, it's been really been a fun ride, uh, at Think LP. I have to say, you know, in the time you've been there, the impact's been quite significant. You know, you, you know, hats off to you. You've done a great job of elevating your profile and elevating Think LP's profile. I love the fact that you've been out on the road, pressing the flesh, as you say, and, and visible. So long may that continue. But for those that don't know Think LP, and let's assume there might be one or two people listening. I'm sure most people do. But how would you describe the business its journey to this point and, and it's sort of offering to clients. Yeah. So kind of the, uh, it's journey uh, to this point. So first of all, it's offering, we are a, um, we're the kind of what we call the uh, a loss and safety intelligence platform or an LSI as we coin it internally. Um, you know, we serve the retail asset protection uh, space. Um, we help them run their part departments and end to end, you know, our product uh, includes, a flexible case management uh, for kind of all your incidents and investigations that you can action for law enforcement, um, a smart audit tool, um, analytics uh, to kind of have, you know, allow for more actionable visibility into your loss and exception-based reporting. Um, and then with that, we really enhance it with integrations uh, across your ecosystem. And I can kind of go further uh, into that with the product, but, you know, our journey truly started out, the organization started out eight years ago, um, a simple case management, you know, really focused on being great partners with customers. And I think it, it grew so rapidly uh, over the course of that period, um, you know, before you knew it, they were at 50 customers um, and 100 customers. And then, you know, now we're we're at about 200 customers around the world. Um, it really kind of speaks, I think, to the trust that we've built over the course of that time period. And you know, what's interesting is that journey was very founder-led and a, like really a true startup mentality, scrappy. Um, all of this without a single penny of venture capital on the cap table. All organic, kind of sustainable growth in the process. And um, you know, it's so it's funny. We've been around for eight years, but we're really we think of ourselves as just getting started. Um, we just experienced our largest growth year yet. Um, we've got a, a really strong growing customer. We're growing our customer base and we're growing our team. Um, and kind of now at 200 customers, we're, we're, we're at this inflection point where we're going from that scrappy startup to, a, you know, making huge investments in talent, in AI and more robust kind of enterprise capabilities at scale. And so. Uh, that's a little bit about the journey and, and the product itself. Uh, you know, it's uh, it, it, we really are proud to, you know, as the platform in many ways, we're really, really proud to kind of build upon what we like to think of as an ecosystem to drive the collaboration that's, you know, taking place in the space. I was, you know, listening to some of your podcasts and the retail risk podcast who talked to my peers in the, in the industry. And, you know, we're at this age of, collaboration is really going to be key um, uh, in the market. And so, uh, you know, 
we we with our platform we really drive integrations uh with our with with the vendors in the space and and you know kind of the other systems that the retailers use to make sure they get what they they have in that platform um you know our big vision is to be truly you know the um the most reliable platform for retailers in protecting people and profit and so uh yeah you know we're we're just getting started even though we've been around for a while it's interesting i mean if you'd asked me i would have said that think lp had been around for longer i've been aware and and dealing with people within the business probably from the first week then almost in terms of the business yeah. so it's interesting you know you've you've come in it's now going to become a grown-up company so they they've brought in you know the grown-up to be put in charge and uh and and i guess you've got to have some structure in place you reach a certain size don't you as a business where you have to put some structure and some some management layers in because i guess it's reached a size where you know you can't handle everything and 200 clients require account managers and and daily updates and you know it's just it's it's got to become that next level business so i guess that's where you are as an organization right now a hundred percent it's funny you mentioned that you know i think one of the things that really holds true is when you think about a pro an organization it's all an organization is, is a collection of people and so we're at this state where i spend most of my time on recruiting great people to an already great team and um you know i, I over the course of this past year you know we've really built up we just brought in a, a, a fantastic head of product, um, a chief customer officer who's been kind of a, a legend in like the retail tech space. And, um, you know, I can go on and on and on how we're building out our, our team, but um, it truly has been a collection of people. Uh, and that's the way I kind of distill down this next phase for us is bringing in that uh, the great talent, the joint already great team. There you go. So anybody listening to this, if you think you're a great hire, drop Spencer a note. Sounds like he wants to hear from you. So there you go. Absolutely. So I'm interested, you know, with where you sit and obviously, you, you know, the, the space and the offering, what's your take on the retail landscape right now? You know, the retailers are under a lot of pressure. Uh, uh, their losses shrink um, and come at them in all directions. Are you finding people are turning to you to help them get a understanding yeah. of that? You know, we're, we're, is it going to level out? Are we, is the yeah. technology going to fight back? I mean, million dollar question, but you know, what, what's your sort of slant on it? So my take is this, I think it's one of the most resilient sectors ever. Uh, if you look at over the course of just history and where, you know, what we've seen um, through, through the pandemic, uh, it is, retail is uh, been so good to evolve in many ways and is remain resilient. Um, and let's first off, let's start with this. The consumer is largely still strong globally, you know, right now, at least in the United States, which typically drives a lot of the global economy and trickle down for the retailers is you got a strong holiday season, record breaking numbers. Um, you know, we still got a few weeks to go since we're doing this while we're doing this podcast, but which will be very indicative, but right now all signals, you know, kind of show we still got a strong consumer there. I know there are some kind of doubts, but, you know, I, I think that's the headline is it's a resilient space. And, you know, as we kind of go down the future of retail and kind of the, where I see this evolving, I, to me, where I say, I see there's, um there's really like three 
big trends to me that are are rather unique. And uh, you know, the first one is the customer experience is blended across channels. You know, I think we tried very for a while to kind of say, hey, you've got retail, you've got um, e-com. And, you know, right now it's just so hard to actually track that. The customer is very blended. They'll pick up online or they'll buy online. They'll pick up on store uh, in the store. They'll buy in the store and they'll have it shipped to them at home. Um, One of my, in fact, this, this sweater I'm wearing right now from one of the brands called Bonobos went to the store, the guide shop, uh, went in, selected it at my doorstop, uh, shipped to me that evening. You know, we just have such a unique um, buyer experience that the the channels are blended. And what that means really, uh, the way we think of it, I think LP is we have to have products that serve that blended model. Uh, They don't necessarily serve just box. It's very much a holistic approach. So that's kind of trend one that I see helping the resilience of the industry, by the way. Number two is, and I know this is going to sound trite, but you have to say it, and 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 it's true, and that is AI. I mean, AI um, is going to get us smarter and more productive. Um, you know, I think the way I put it is, I think the digital revolution was very much about automating processes for customers and operations. That's what like the digital uh, revolution was. With AI, the best way I've heard it described to me was it's automation plus a concierge, you know, to kind of help people do their jobs, to help consumers get smarter on their decisions. And so, you know, I think we're going to see AI used in a range of ways. Uh, But to me, it's here in this concierge kind of concept that I think AI will drive the most impact. And with that AI, you can think about how important it is for your data and your data to be kind of to streamlining it and and, and getting it kind of right um, and bringing kind of your disparate data sets together and actually using AI to do that. And the reason that's important is because if you can think of it like data is the fuel and AI is the engine. The better the fuel, kind of the more high performance you're going to have on some of these models that will help drive, again, productivity in our operations and the consumer experience. And so I think that you know, how retailers leverage their data to steward how AI enhances the customer experience will be essential. Um, so aggregating that and managing that data will, will be key. Um, and then, of course, the third one is this kind of unprecedented, you know, this is why we do what we do, but this unprecedented period of time with safety and violence and theft are impacting the customer experience. It was one thing that when it was kind of, you know, these the the one-offs and it it is in it is now impacting wholeheartedly the customer experience. Um, crime, violence, theft levels we've never seen before. Kind of no matter what stats or reports you look at, and I know it's been like, you know, what the numbers are. Here's what's true. The trend lines are the same. So, you know, take the data set you want. The trend lines are the same no matter how you look at it. And it's growing rapidly across continental Europe and the United States and around the world. And so, you know, this third trend to me, the is going to be so pivotal how how this ecosystem and this industry collaborates, comes together, 
um, and helps find really this kind of great mix of partnership and technology um, to, to, to mitigate this. Uh, and so, you know, obviously I'm, I'm speaking to the right crowd because this is the audience that is really at the forefront of that and has been doing an amazing, I think, amazing job uh, over the course uh, of time to kind of, I think, get to a, a position where we are now where I, you know, I truly am the optimist that believes, you know, there's a, we have a chance to, to drive profound impact as industry to, to curb this third trend. Um, so that's my overall take. And, you know, uh, you know, I, we're very optimistic, I think LP, um, on all three of these trends and especially the one that we're really, uh, the, 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 you know, how we play into all three of them to, to drive impact. And I think you're right, you know, the collaboration that we're seeing at the minute is, you know, whether it's a response to, you know, what's going on on the front line, but we're seeing a level of collaboration with, you know, tools like think LP allowing people to come together, you know, like never before. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I think you have to remain optimistic, don't you? That, uh, that, that it'll all start to, you know, sort of, uh, you know, fight back, normalize, whatever you might want to call it. So look, question for you, and I don't know whether you can, can do this, but in terms of other, you know, who's using your tech, who's okay. using the platform at, at the, at the minute, can you give us a flavor for either some names yeah. or the types of organizations? And then if I'm a retailer or a retail brand listening to this and I'm not talking to Think LP, why should I make contact? Totally. So first of all, we are um, we serve we serve primarily the retail sector. Uh, however, we serve really eight different industries. Um, and but we proudly serve 200 of the top retailers and brands in the world. Uh, kind of a quick high level list of our customer base. We United States, we have CVS, uh, Kroger, the largest grocery store chain, uh, Nike, which we actually serve uh, across continental Europe as well, uh, Macy's, Home Depot, Lowe's, TJX, Sephora. This is just to name a few. Our European customers, primarily John Lewis Partnership, uh, SSP Global, Sephora, Swatch, um, and you know, so but we we've we've got a, a really kind of we're very proud to serve. Uh, those customers that span from uh, retail to grocery to convenience stores to logistics, even we serve, uh, we really are a tool for uh, uh, kind of um, task, directive tasking for the largest, um, uh, the, the, the largest kind of logistics company in Canada called Purelator. Uh, so we're, but we're in this retail, that's our bread and butter and kind of where we focus um, you know, kind of why us, I think if I had to say there's really three primary why us in many ways. So number one is flexibility and ease of use. And I think what really we, we love about our case management tool is how it's not as rigid and, you know, out of the box as here you go. It's very much comes with configurations that you can do to make that better suit your operation and then enable the user experience to be simple. And so, you know, and we, we take that very seriously because we know that what's so important to kind of driving insights and intelligence is getting data at the point uh, of use. And so the unique flexibility of our case management tool and incident reporting tool, um, 
I think provides that. The other one is this all in one view. You know, no one, I, I, you know, we are doing integrations at a scale kind of like, like no other. In fact, this past year, we really productized our integrations. And so what we do is we seamlessly bring together your tech stack, um, which again, does, does two things. It provides more robust data and information into your incidents for law enforcement. And it brings the, to the kind of the totality of your data into one view for your accuracy to help you drive decisions. And so, you know, I think that that's kind of the, the thing number two. And then thing number three that we really pride ourselves on is we truly act as an extension of your team. And so we, we are very much uh, provide service for our customers that helps them dive into their data, utilize their their platform the right way and to help them really drive to make decisions. And we we take pride in kind of saying, you know, we're not a customer service or customer support organization. We're an extension of your team. And so um, those are kind of the three main components that I would say. And the last thing I would say, the why us is, you know, one thing that we're really doing and one thing that we're we're driving is being on the front of, uh, of kind of this AI revolution and you know, we've got a lot of things up our sleeves uh, in terms of how we're going to utilize this to support, um, you know, uh, you and your team in the asset protection, health and safety departments. Um, and uh, we're working very, very closely with kind of the front lines of AI uh, uh, in, in Silicon Valley and kind of the investment firms that are, are really there at the doorstep of a lot of the technologies. And, and, uh, looking and applying and looking at ways that we're going to use that to kind of enhance that experience for you. So I've got to ask them those sleeves as, <laughs> as, as, as you look towards 2024 and the, the sort of areas that you're focusing on, are these things that customers are asking you for? Yeah. Are they innovations that you think, Oh, that'd be quite cool. Is it a hybrid? And is there any you're going to tease us with that might be coming other than some, it's going to be cool. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? Um, so definitely it's a combination of what customers are asking for and also a little bit of a bet about where we're going. And the way I would, the way I can kind of tee, uh, tee up, you know, where we're going with our product is really over three themes. Kind of the thematically theme number one is um, uh, ecosystem. So foundational capabilities, making it easier for customers to integrate, not just their systems and vendors, but also uh, the partners that, that some of our retail customers may want to connect with. So the way we look at our ecosystem is in two parts. We think of it as internal. So that's our partner program. We're really, which is really a, uh, our partner program, which we're uh, rolling out this year or in 2024 is a developer portal that allows customers to easily plug in their third-party vendors. Um, like I said, we've already started a small pilot of this and got it off the ground, but we're really launching that um, next year provides kind of those integration tools. And then the second is like the, we think of it as the external ecosystem. And this is, you know, your ORC case linking, uh, linking across kind of the ThinkLP network of partners. And, and again, we, we think of the ecosystem as that collaboration piece. And so the thematically ecosystem is kind of number one. And number two is uh, central intelligence. So a, a large increase and our ability to process and store more data, as you heard me say before, data is the fuel, AI is the engine. And so we're investing heavily 
And basically the ability to run and store high performance data models that will drive that AI for the retailers and helping them do that in a way that is so simple um, that, you know, they don't need to be, there isn't anything fancy on their end. We're really take care of the heavy lifting on it. And so we look at that as enhancing our big data analytics for better processing. And then one thing we're really looking at is something called, and we're, we're looking to roll out is something called, we call it Think LP Sidekick. And what that is, is this, in, it really think of it as insights and interactions that gen, using generative AI. Um, so think of it almost as your assistant or personal assistant, your sidekick as an AP manager. That's a generative AI feature that helps kind of you drive directive tasking and helping you make decisions based on the data and insights rolling through. And so those are kind of the second theme is that central intelligence. And the third one is, we call it internally, we call it obvious ROI, but it's really harnessing the data and best practice uh, templates um, by department and by use case to um, accelerate and show your, your return on investment. So it's these dashboards that really lead to helping you see and gain more insights in your operation and helping you see exactly where you're driving the ROI for your organization. Um, and so those are kind of what we're looking to do on our product, at least down the road here in 2024. Um, but like I said, you know, we're really excited. We're just getting started uh, in many ways. While we've been around for eight years, we, we really feel like we're just getting started at ThinkLP. So, so we've got technology innovations. We've got you working hard to hire the best people. Um, you know, you're at 200 plus customers. Flipping out of the product and looking to ThinkLP as a business, what does the next chapter look like? What are the goals? Are we going global? Are you going to consolidate some areas? I realize yeah. you probably won't want to give everything away, but you know, give me a, give me a flavor for the aspirations. Yeah. So I think what's interesting is we're very focused on our big kind of mission and, and vision, and that is to be the most reliable platform for the retail sector in protecting people and profit. And what we're really focused on is the pro is the process. Uh, and not really the outcomes that to get to that big goal. Uh, but what I would say is part of that, what that means is we as, is, is absolutely the deep investments in technology. You can kind of expect from Think LP, um, and you know, to see things kind of move a little faster in regards to our product, um, and then bringing great people to the organization. Like I said, to join the already great people that are here now. Um, and then the third is international. So you, you've uh, you've seen us out at, at retail risk and and we plan to grow our, our presence abroad. Um, right now we are primarily North America. Um, we we serve this market very well and building up our kind of capabilities uh, to go abroad and to serve the customer base abroad. And what's interesting is uh, we already well we're already doing that right, but doing it kind of at scale, we've never we've never done before. We've never really, um, or in terms of, we've never been out in the uh, the markets, kind of, uh, uh, you know, introducing our brand. We've always been word of mouth. That's how we would go abroad. Now, what we're really going to be doing is making investments of helping serve that market and uh, uh, and provide our product and our offering um, across the globe. So those are kind of the 
the coming attractions, you will. But at the end of the day, I think, like I said, our our big vision and what we're really focused on is being the most reliable platform for the retail sector and protecting people and profit. And uh, that that's something we take very seriously and and uh, is kind of we're, we're laser focused on right now. Spencer, I have to say it's um, the transformation in the time that you've been at Think LP. I do genuinely mean this when I say that I think it's yeah it's accelerated beyond the short period of time that you've been there. Um, I genuinely hope to see you uh, on many shows, ours and other people's uh, around the world because I think you've got a terrific offering and uh, uh, and you deserve to to showcase it to many retailers uh, around the world. Um, but thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. It has been. Fabulous. Um, I'd love to get you on again in the near future when you pass the 400 customer mark and the 600 customer mark so you can talk to us about the, the progress. But for now, thank you very much indeed. Hey, Paul, thank you so much. Keep up the great work and thanks for bringing the industry together.